Hey there, welcome to the Literary Escape Podcast. I'm Becky, your host, and I'm glad you're here today. Today I have a fun author interview for you, and our destination is completely different than anything I've done before. I am talking to author Amy S. Peel about her medical mysteries. So hang on to your seat and get ready for a fun ride. Hi there. Well, hello. Well, welcome to the Literary Escape Podcast. I'm so excited you're here today. It's a brilliant idea. I listened to a couple of your podcasts and it's like, yeah, you know, we couldn't go anywhere, but we could go somewhere. We could. And I have been all around the world in the last year and a half or two years, let me tell you. <laughs> I know. Thank goodness. And thank goodness for books that take us there. I know. And it's one of the things that I have done during the last year and a half is start my book club. And it has been so interesting meeting authors. And most people don't know that you can just like, email an author <laughs> and we love to be you know get emails and we love to talk to people so exactly and I have had such a good time having authors on the podcast having them in the book club and it has been such an eye-opening thing for both myself and I think everybody who's been listening to them it, it's been a lot of fun so so yeah. welcome <laughs> thank you I, I know my my destination is a bit different than well, some the- of the- other I look forward here. to jumping into all that. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I was listening to these wonderful places, Paris, England, you know, when you broke it down by different like just destinations. Yeah. I thought, well, we'll be taking them somewhere else, won't we? We will. I'm excited about that. Yeah. It'll be too. fun. So Amy S. Peel, how did you get into writing? Well, I mean, you I, have had such a different path, it appears. <laughs> I have, I have. Um, my first jump into it was I uh, was in a group with some other folks and we did The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of that yep. book, but it's kind of excavating your true creativity in nature. Okay. And this was 30 years ago, maybe. And writing kept coming up. And even though I'm a registered nurse and yeah. a, lot, a lot of other things, <clears throat> I kept thinking, I, I'm not a writer. Why does, why does this writing keep coming up? You know, Because if people don't know the book, it tells you real fast, write 10 things that you want to do or whatever. I forget the exercises. Yeah. But so that was what my brain was telling me at the time. And then I decided to take a writing class at our community college. Oh, how cool. Here, yeah, here I live in Marin County across the Golden Gate Bridge. And so I did. And I had the good fortune to have a wonderful teacher who was kind and generous because some writing teachers can just rip you apart. And then you that would be so devastating. Put your tail behind <laughs> you and then you go. But yeah, not Guy Beater. So nice. And so anyway, that's how I jumped into writing and then writing short little pieces because I got okay. the and then I uh, ended up writing short stories. And then I was in a, uh, uh, his group and I wrote a, a first draft murder mystery, but I self-pubbed a memoir uh, in 2009. I saw that, yeah. That was really fun with the help of Brooke Warner, who was my book, book coach That's at the cool. time. That's cool, okay. So it seems like I was willing to take a risk because probably the short answer to the long answer I just gave you to try 
a creative part of me that I, I kind of knew was there, but, you know, I was working in the world of medicine and, you know, sometimes there's not a lot of room for creativity. I in- wouldn't think so. Yeah. My, um, I saw that you became a nurse in Chicago. Yes. And my mom was a nurse and she went to school in Chicago a few years before you, but, um, I, I just, I liked that connection because, um, my mom was probably one of the most compassionate people I had ever known. And to be a nurse, to be a good nurse, you need that. Oh, yes, you do. You absolutely yeah. do. So and that, your path, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say your path took you in um, organ transplant. Right. I um, I was an RN, worked on a surgical medical floor, but then I started uh, at University of Chicago. And I was on a floor where they did a lot of experimental types of transplants. This was back in the 70s, late 70s. Kidney transplants was one of the patient types of patients I took care of amongst others. And I thought it was kind of cool. Like, wow, kidney transplants. This is like brand new. Yeah, kind of mind-blowing that you can do that. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I love those patients anyway led me to a transplant coordinator job which I got to do so many things back there um, back at that time and I was in an you know an academia medical center where everyone's learning all the time and you're asking what a great environment yeah learned a lot learn and still am so that kind of put me in a career that I actually wasn't looking for I didn't know much about transplant brain death organ donation but uh, and plus it's, it's a specialty that brings in so many other specialties. So while it's surgery, you also have to figure out, you know, you know, how does a poor kidney transplant work? How come right. the body rejects some liver, kidneys, hearts, and then organ donation and brain death and, you know, just all the different facets that led off of just, I guess me following something that I love, not knowing how many doors would open. Right. And just keep being willing to follow the path as it's yes as it opens up to you and boy talk about travel (laughs) i did i got to go on a medical delegation to china in 1984 holy Uh, moly how interesting yeah it was really cool and interesting and i also uh was on uh well i i went was invited speaker to holland as transplant coordinator um, because in europe transplant coordinators were doctors and still are in the united states their RNs, NPs, physical, uh, PAs or whatever. So okay. wow. um, traveled a fair amount. Um, but yeah, so those kind of things all did culminate in uh, a career, a 35 year career that was amazing. It's had to have been fascinating. Yeah. And I, I read in your bio that you took some improv classes. Was I that- did before, during, after, how did those fit in? <laughs> well, what happened was in, I was a single gal living in Chicago and uh, well, my day-to-day job was life and death. So I talked mm-hmm. to donor families about their, you know, considering their loved ones, um, you know, donating their loved ones for trans organs for transplant. And then I also got to call the patient who I got a kidney for you, but I also worked with families and ICUs, ERs, managing donors, kind of orchestrated all the events that culminated in organ donation. So okay. pretty heavy, pretty that safe. That is pretty heavy, yeah. To be in someone's space and mm-hmm. an honor. 
and then the good of calling someone in. But it, I decided I needed some levity in my life mm-hmm. because it was on call. So in, in Chicago, there's Second City. So they have an improv training called Players Workshop. So every night I would get to go play. I get to like exercise my imagination, wow. which as you know, we all have. But sometimes as we grow up, it's, it's, you it's know, not exercised a whole lot. It's not, <laughs> it's not rewarded sometimes unless yeah. you're a big old famous comedian. So that was really probably a really good decision because then I could find some levity and play with our team. Not, of course, in the appropriate time. Right, right. But it was helpful because it was it needed to be in my toolbox to survive mm-hmm. that kind of a career. And I would think so. Yeah. So improv to me is just a fun, fun thing to do. And even to this day. I, you know, I took some more classes when I got out to San Francisco, they have a improv classes here and, you know, I would make fun of the transplant surgeons and in front of them and they loved it. I mean, obviously not when they were in the OR, right. But right. When we get out, there was lots there to make fun of. And, um, and I'm fine. They made fun of me too, but, uh, um, so, yeah, I just kind of, uh, I needed that levity and it, yeah. I love, I love it. That's my sister and I were caregivers for our mom for several years. She had dementia and we also found humor to be a necessary part of the package. And it wasn't in any way making fun of her or the situation, but we opened ourselves up to having fun and looking for the lighter moments and it makes a difference if you're able to do that. You need it. it mm-hmm. And I, when I, reti- I retired in 2014 from UCSF as director, we were doing about 600 solid organ transplants. And I had a staff of about 120. Um, and so it was park your life. Pretty, yeah, big time. Pretty, pretty heavy. Yeah. So then interesting and amazing too. Yeah. All- Did you start your writing after you retired then? Is that? No, I, I did. I started the community college, community college class way before then. The kids were little. I was working. Okay. And I just thought, you know, the stories, the age. If anyone goes to a community college creative writing class, it's a hoot because you've got, set, you know, 20, 19-year-olds. You've got 40, 50, and then 80. Exactly. The breadth and depth of the people and the stories. It was just like. That had to have been you know, fascinating. You know, as kids. <laughs> Or anywhere, don't you just love someone reading you a story sometimes or telling you a story or helping you think way outside the mm-hmm. box? I'll never forget this one lady's story. She was, and it was a comment. It wasn't actually a story. She goes, you know, they talk about this extra virgin olive oil. Where do they find the virgins? And I thought she had to be like, she was probably like 75. And I thought, don't you just love this stuff? To and to be an extra virgin. <laughs> right. So I took classes, wrote short stories. I was lucky enough to find a writing tribe that I'm still part of today. That's awesome. 20 uh, some years at least later. Wow. And, you know, I think the breadcrumbs kept coming and I kept like doing them oh, when I could. Yeah. And then with the mysteries, um, I had my book coach, Brooke Warner, who has since started a press. She writes press. Oh, cool. Uh, 10 years ago. It's a woman's only press because she was an acquisition editor for Seal Press and realized 
that a lot of the women's stories were kind of thrown in the bin mm -hmm. and she felt like some of them were really great, but you know, they didn't want to yeah. publish them. So she's got quite a successful press. So she helped me do with my memoir. And then while I was working, because it was full-time, I could at least scaffold my story, meaning chapter one, Sarah's point of view, chapter two, Jackie's, and just put a little bit of information. Okay. Yeah. So that when I retired to write the full manuscript, you I had, kind of, I had somewhat some, of an outline of where you're going. Yeah. Right. So I just kept my toe in the water, my foot in the water. Uh, I went to murder mystery writing classes or conferences. Wow. Where we've got great uh, a Court of Madeira book passage here, which is an amazing independent bookstore. Cool. So there's a lot. Um, and I just, you know, I would go to things and just be in awe of these authors and yeah 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 that's that's awesome um so how did you kind of land into the murder mystery genre you know I didn't really want to write uh transplant murder mystery because I lived and breathed it every day and I mm -hmm. and I don't know if you know the author Michael Conley yeah but yeah so he was speaking here locally and one of his characters had a heart transplant again long long time ago and you know I was kind of like a so I said, I said, oh, hi, you know, I like your book. Um, I work in transplant, but I'm not going to write about it. And all he did is say, oh, that's too bad. Little sound bite, you know, the kind of planted a seed. I should write him a note. Um, that and, would be fun, yeah. You know, they tell you, write what you know, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so I had, I had some short stories and other things, but I thought, okay. So I went to another workshop with my best friend and she looked at me when we were working, she, I said, you know, we're working about title ideas and just for fun. And that's when the first cut, and she just looked at me and said, that's the title of your book. Wow. And you're right. And so mysteries are fun because it's a whodunit. Yeah. Um, and it's, Pretty I think most genres are prescriptive in a way about the way that you, you know, outline plot. There's certain you know, rules that right. you kind of follow-ish. Yeah. Yes. So I decided I would write my first murder mystery. Um, and I did. And I got a lot of help because you need a lot of help. I would so think so. Yeah. It's the village approach as always. Takes a village. And I got a really good developmental editor. Oh, which cool. Was helpful. Okay. So, so the story. Nice. Became, yeah. That's one of my favorite things about getting to talk to authors is to hear their stories, you know, of how they got here as a published author and the paths are all so different. I love that. Yes. I, as a person who, if, if there's people listening that think, you know, oh, I could never be an author because, you know, I don't have any writing experience or whatever there's so many different ways to get there. And I would think that that would be encouraging to say, well, I can do it. I can do it. You know? <laughs> well, you know what? I was one of those people. I thought I'm an RN. I didn't have an English degree. I wasn't a good speller. Um, write a book. Seriously. Yeah. Um, and when you break it down to small bits and in, in pieces, if there's something in you that you just feel like you want to say, speak or write, you're the only person that could ever do that because it'd be yeah. your version of whatever story is that needs to come out. 
And I would say likely a lot of people would need to hear it because if it's inside of you, it's kind of knocking, hello, right. you know, I'm in here, let me out. And I think that's true. I think that if people do even have a glimmer of curiosity and they can just stay home and write on their computer screen and delete it. Nobody has to see it. Exactly. Yeah. Or they can play with it or they can. Well, find it's actually good to just get things out of you in general. I mean, yeah. whether you publish them or not, doesn't even, it's not even important. I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I'd say anybody who thinks they want to take a crack at it, have at it. I think so too. Yeah. You know, there's no rules. I mean, you That's can listen to rules out there and say, well, you have to have your MFA. You have to have a agent. You have to have a this. There's so many successful books that have not ever followed the correct path. Well, and you don't even have to have a traditional publisher anymore. Right. I mean, right. That's, that's going beautiful place. Yeah. <clears throat> By the wayside. I mean, it's out there, but if you're not sure, a big, big movie star kind of name. Yeah. You might not get that chance. Who knows? Agreed. Yeah. That's very cool. So, do you consider your books cozy mysteries? Well, it's good. That's a good question, Becky, because the first book cut, um, it won uh, several awards, including a cozy mystery award. And cozy is supposed to be no swears, right? No alcohol, no sex. And my books have that, not gratuitously, right? But there but is they're in there. Interesting. But okay. And I was a little surprised because yeah. I, I understood cozy. So I wouldn't, if I get an opinion here, um, I wouldn't say my books are cozy. Right. They um, don't follow the rules. They're not, not the rules. <laughs> so Somebody gave me a cozy award and I'm like, well, I'm not going to give it back. Um, <laughs> I think it's what I've heard. And I think the short statement on my books are that they, the, you know, people who've reviewed them and like them say they're a mystery with a mission and a side of humor. There you because go. I take two best friends from nursing school and I put them in situations that in the transplant world are, they're drawn pretty carefully and accurately. Okay. So, People will say, I, one lady said to me, I feel a lot smarter after I read your book, the second one match, because I know the real stuff because I lived and breathed the real stuff. Right. But I also get to make up a bunch of stuff too. And yeah. so that's fun. And I also had a big job where there were some people I didn't really care for at work. And, you know, you have to be professional, so you can't really say what you would like to say. So I've just been killing them off in my murder mysteries. <laughs> What a what a beautiful way to do it. <laughs> it's cathartic. It's fiction. I've changed their name. Of course. Changed their hair color. You wouldn't know. And I have to say it, my hands never moved so fast on the keyboard when I wrote the second book because this one person was really something else. They were pretty, so, pretty right there, uh, huh? <laughs> you know, yeah, you can't make it up. So I found, and then I also don't want to waste the kill. So I make sure I get to use their organs for transplants. There you go. Okay. I mean, I, I couldn't do, I, you know, I was in the field too long. I'd feel too guilty if I killed somebody and then just didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't want to, don't need to waste a, waste a good kill. Yeah. You know, it, you know, it. <laughs> do, the, do the murders happen like at the beginning of the book and then the rest of the book is figuring out the um, whodunit part of it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, they say there usually should be a dead body in the first couple chapters. So, yeah, or a plot or, yeah, I would say absolutely. 
there's some there's some uh there's some death going on um, different places that you might not expect in the first book and then the second book it's pretty right up front in the first chapter okay so, so tell me we talked we kind of touched on this but tell me where your books are set and how you so, yeah so the, i'm originally from chicago so you have to go to chicago yes and my detectives and my characters my two two main protagonists jackie larson and um uh, Sarah Golden, our two friends from nursing school, and they went to nursing school in Chicago. So nice. they go to Chicago, they're in Miami. You know, I don't have a big thing about Miami, but my, my and nurse- did you go there? Well, my nurse was a traveling nurse and she was at the Transplant Institute in Miami. So I put her there. You get to go, let's see, you get to go to Chicago, Miami, uh, Rodeo Drive. You get to go to Cuba in the third book. Nice. You, so there are geographical, places that I sprinkle in but when I looked at your your great podcasts and listened to them I think the place that I would take or I take the reader is behind the curtain in a transplant program exactly which so who the heck else does that that's awesome and and it and you do see what happens you do see how they decide to put somebody on a wait list or not yeah. because that's what happens there's selection meetings you do get to ch a chance to see uh, how these patients um, get well or not, uh, right. where the donor is. Um, and then these two nurses are just ridiculous. They're hysterical. I, um, I fashioned them off uh, one, my one movie I loved called The Heat with Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock came okay. out. Long ago. But one of my main characters is fashioned after Jack. Uh, Jackie Larson is Melissa McCarthy. I, okay. The way I write, because I'm a visual learner, is I cast mm -hmm. the characters as if they're going to be in a movie. So I go through all the magazines and pull out, okay, yeah. this is Dr. Bauer, here's Sarah, here's Jackie, here's Officer Handsome, here's Biker Bob, here's Zuzu. And I make a pretty storyboard and put it up in my writing room. Actually, it's right there now for the third book. And that way I can just look at them. And, and yeah. I'm writing like, you know, what would he do? What would she say? Would she put her hand in her hair? What is he? So it's like helping with the character description when nice. I'm moving the character through the plot um, in the story. That's a good idea. Yeah. I like that because I'm very visual as well. Um, yeah. That's a really yeah. interesting idea. So yeah. do you have to have like the whole outline done? Well, what I've done now, I'm on the third one in the trilogy yeah. is this one is called hold. You got it. Good mm -hmm. homework, Beck. Um, <laughs> and you know what's interesting is that the first, uh, the last two books, Hold wasn't going to be the name and Match was not going to be the name. Match was supposed to be Selection, but the oh. publisher wanted a short word because we had cut. So Match worked okay because it's about kidney transplants, paired exchange, that kind of stuff. Okay. The third book was going to be tolerance, which is an immunological term. It's the holy grail in transplant. If you can get someone to tolerate the organ without a lot of drugs, yeah, it's like the it's the jam. So uh, the two titles, less and I, you know, yarn wrestle because I love the word. I knew what it meant. I sprinkled it in a variety of ways, but we did get yeah. to hold, it, and I'm okay with that. And um, so th that's that's the series of cut, match, and hold, and. Um, yeah, they. Uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah, they 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 do, and the covers we go back and forth on, and you know, there's all those other facets that are kind of the big heavy frosting trimming of the story for for when you know I'm writing it, 
Um, and one of the other things I do, because I'm in this Thought Leadership Academy with Sarah Canal, which is lovely. It's a national academy I've been with for a couple of years. While you're writing or while I'm writing or while anyone's writing something, if they just don't think they can do it or they, you know, we all have our gremlins about yeah. whatever in the world, like one saying, yeah, go for it. The other one saying, what do you, you don't have your masters of da da da. You take a, a copy of the cover, or if you don't have a cover, you just wrap a piece of white paper around a book and write the name of the book that you want it to be so that there's a visual reminder in yeah. front of you at your desk your brain can be like oh we did this yeah done. it's done and yeah. it's actually these are tips and tricks it's not like anyone's going to the nut house anytime soon but it's helpful to have some evidence so that it kind of moves you along and exactly you know helps with yeah the process Yes, our brain looks for evidence, whether it's for the negative or the positive. So you know it will, and it will go after whatever. It, That's it, right. So whatever's easily accessible, it'll prove you right, whichever way. Yeah, how smart are we, right? Exactly. <laughs> my partner, uh, my friend Betsy, and I named our gremlins. You know, the ones who come and say, mm, I don't "Yeah." Know. So mine's name is Ursula, and hers name, hers, her gremlin's name is Dominique, and so. When we um, are having trouble, because we're all writers, and I'm having one of those days where I call, I said, Betsy, Ursula wants to talk to you. <laughs> she goes, put her on. And, you know, and then Betsy's is Dominique. And so we play with it and make light of it because it's helpful just to, you know, mm -hmm. have someone say, okay, wait a minute, where's the evidence? Exactly. Published and written three books or on your four. So Ursula, you kind of need to take Hit the a road, babe. Yeah. Hit the road. Hit the road. <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. Is there going to be a fourth one in the series then? I'm not planning on it right now. Okay. Um, I'm I have an agent and she would like me to take a crack at a romantic comedy. Ooh, okay. So I outlined it during the pandemic and I'm really excited to write it because it's um and i gave myself a six-month assignment early you know a year ago to watch every rom-com i wanted <laughs> and then i could like what note make notes the beats and what i liked what i didn't like why yeah. i thought this fell flat so it was kind of like a real good homework assignment exactly how fun is yeah. that <laughs> it was really fun but my editor my current editor i like to write food in my stories the characters have to eat you know yeah some of those when you watch like scandal or something on tv she's she's just all she does is drink red wine why doesn't that woman eat exactly. but so i have my, I have my characters eating and my, my the developmental letter go amy unless one of the characters is going to be a chef at the end of the story we're gonna you have to cut out cut out some of the food because the one of time i was writing a scene for the second book and they were waiting at the airport for the um recipient to come through on our rear jet and they were hungry, so they needed a burrito. So I wrote this great scene about a burrito with chorizo and rice and beans. I had to stop and go downtown where I live, get my burrito. <laughs> and, and so that's awesome. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, but I did get the chicken cacciatore she pulled out of the first book and got it in the second book. Cool. So, okay. so, so the rom com is going to be about a horrible chef. So, oh, fun. Okay. So you get to talk about food. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But her point is you want to keep the reader going and anytime, you know, stay on point, stay in, in on the plot. And, and 
while it's fun to go off to the left, if you go off to the left too far, the reader might just put the book down and go, I'll see yeah. you later. So she's right. It's and true. I, yeah. But, but <laughs> I still like to write about food. Okay. And not, not in a way like for a newspaper or anything, but I just feel like my characters need a good meal every once in a while. I'm with you. <laughs> and we, in the, in the book club, we read a book about chocolates one time. It was a historical fiction and the lady was a chocolatier and it described like all the chocolates that she made. And everybody who read it said, I had to go out and get chocolates while I was reading this. <laughs> That's when you know you do a good job, you know, and you have to run out and go get your burrito. And <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I know. Oh boy, I would have been eating chocolate the whole time. Once you oh, I know. That book should have come with a side of, you know, some fancy chocolate. She had a recipe in there for a, I don't even know what they're called, um, some sort of chocolate thing that you could make, but um, it was easier to buy it, I have to say. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> so when is your new book coming out? It will be out October, oh. October the 4th, 2022. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. Yep. And I'm really having a good time with it. It's not done yet. Oh, okay. Uh, it's in progress as we speak. If you saw my desk, you would know that. <laughs> if you're in the corner of my desk, but do know um, that it's in progress. I mean, I outlined it. You asked, like, what do I do and all that? So I write the scaffolding, is what I call it. Okay. And it's just like maybe a paragraph or two, like chapter one, Becky's point of view. She went da 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 da, just a few things. Chapter okay. two, Sarah's point of view. So I know whose head I'm in when okay. I'm writing. That's helpful. So I do all of that, finish it off, and then I put it to the side. Then I start writing. Like uh, Match, I think I wrote the rough drafts of Match and Cut during NaNoWriMo, which is a, a national. November, yeah. Um, and just kind of let it go. That's kind of the fun part. Okay. Um, and then go back and start really shaping and molding the story from the goods that I created. And sometimes I don't even reference the scaffold. And sometimes things yeah. when you show up to write happen that weren't in there. And That's, I was gonna ask about that. Do characters kind of lead you down different paths sometimes that are unexpected? They do. And and like in the first, was it the second book, Jackie gets on a motorcycle. She's bombed with a Harley Davidson guy who's tatted up to the nines. From a bar, I mean, I, she's going to get on it. I just had to make sure she could, she was safe. Like when she, yeah. Got, but yeah, that's one of the coolest parts of writing though. You start writing and then something else comes up that wasn't, at least in my awareness. And then, uh, and it happened, it just happened again yesterday. So it kind of makes you want to go back for more. That's and so fun. Just, yeah. You know, just, and then I, I, as I said, I have worked with my editor and sent her installments and then, you know, we keep moving uh, forward here and so that's kind of my process although everybody has different processes you know they say pantser or you know plot. yeah well you have to have somewhat of an idea about the Some, plot yeah and I have like my little you know tips and tricks I keep you know from being and, and writing for so long and so yeah. the you your books kind of go all over have you been to all the different places that they have traveled to 
Well, I, uh, I haven't eaten at some of the places I made, I found out in Miami, but in the first book, yep, I, I bring them right to my faves, favorite restaurants. I do get to have some restaurant scenes. Nice. Uh, and people go, I know I've been to Bill's Burger in San Francisco or, you know, in Chicago, I take them places. Miami, I didn't know as well, but I re- you know, did some research. Okay. And the third book, I actually was in Cuba. So the okay. third book starts out in Cuba in Havana. Okay. And um, thankfully, I'd made notes and have a journal and I I read some fun books that take place in Cuba. Mm -hmm. So there was enough fixings for me to make sure it was authentic because the reader does, if they don't get to travel. Yeah. Then I want to make sure that they do get to because I did get notes from readers that said, is this really a real restaurant? Because I would like to go there. <laughs> That's awesome. I like so I'm that. Not, I'm not making up any restaurants, at least. And <laughs> um, physically, yeah, I would say, I mean, I've been to Miami, but I, um, I like, I'm not, I'm more of a Chicago girl. And yeah. Girl. Um, so that nice. I try to make sure, sprinkle a little authenticity in there. Mm-hmm. So where's your rom-com going to be? Or have you figured that out yet? Oh, it's in Chicago. Okay. Yeah, the, the working title right now is called City Hall. Okay. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's so <laughs> fun. It's just going to be silly and fun. That's, that, that's see, that's the thing that you get to do with rom coms is you get to have fun and you're expected to have silly things in there. And oh yeah, so, oh, yeah. yeah. So it's all going to because I I lived in Chicago 31 years before I moved out to the West Coast. So okay, I I, I know my town and Chicago is uh, a good city. Yeah, it's a great city. It's just a great city. So yeah, the th- the rom com will take place in Chicago. Okay, fun. Look yeah. forward to that one too. Any projections on dates for that one, or is it too soon for that? Too soon because okay. I'm really wrapping up the third. Okay, get all my attention, but. The whole thing's outlined. The rom-com is all outlined. The characters, I already got their pictures. Just Pick- waiting for, just waiting for your timing. Huh? Good stuff. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really, really enjoyed chatting with you. Oh, Becky, it was fun to talk to you too. And I am doing a little contest on my website because cut. I did cut around the world and it went everywhere in the United States except one state and then all over the different countries. So people who bought the book also would take a picture of it where they were. So okay. matches going around the world. Nice. And I just got Barcelona, Texas, Honduras, Washington. I mean, there's, it's, it's moving along, but when people buy the book and show something from where they live, my husband does fused glass. So they get a fused glass necklace. Oh, cool. So it's on my website if if your listeners at, at amyspeel.com. Okay. And uh, I'll put that fun. in the show notes as well so that they can link to it. Yeah. And it's actually been fun to meet, you know, meet new people and yeah. And match during the my book with match came out during the pandemic, which you know was kind of sad because you like to engage with see it makes it very challenging, yeah. So I was able to go virtually to NYU and University of Wisconsin and all the different universities because I was in transplant. And so um, it did make it make it out to different. My book travels more than I do. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's probably, yeah, that's OK, because it's cheaper. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And right now, it's safer. So <laughs> I'm kidding. But anyway, so, yeah, it was fun to talk to you. It's just uh, 
it's fun to talk about writing and characters and take people places that they haven't been before. Exactly. Thanks for joining me today on the Literary Escapes podcast. This episode was a clip of the interview I did in my membership book club, The Literary Escape Society. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to join the full interviews live, come check out The Literary Escape Society. We're a community of travelers who love books, or maybe book lovers who love to travel. Either way, if you need an escape, a literary escape, come join us as we read our way around the world together, one book at a time. Check out the show notes to learn more about the Literary Escape Society. And we'll see you next time on the next episode.